Test, test, test. It's working. Yay. We are smart people. <laughs> hey, Courtney. Hey, Miles. Do you have an interest in banking? No. You are not alone. <laughs> I quit my job at the bank today. Why? I guess you could say I lost interest. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The people at the bank must really like me. Uh-huh. They keep telling me that I that my loan is outstanding. <laughs> Get off the stage. Just kidding. (laughs) Anyway, how are you? Tired. Just kicked the table. Nice. How did that feel? Uh, It was fine. It just made noise. How are you, Sir Jeffers? Oh, it's been a day. Has it? It has been a day. Do you want to hear about it? Well, I've heard about it. Do you want to tell (laughs) the lovely people what happened? You were there. So today, um, it's Friday, and Courtney and I were both working, uh, normal hours. Um, Usually, on my lunch break, I try to put Harper down for a nap within the allotted time I'm given. And today, I did that, and it was nearing the end, so I'm like, okay, Harper, it's time to um to take a nap so we laid in a bed we got our new bed and it has this um it's it's gated what do you call it it's like a frame it's a it's a floor bed a floor bed yeah Mm -hmm. so it has like the frame around it that's tall enough so that she can't roll out of bed um but it's also relatively shorter than like the bars on her crib right anyway and it's a queen size probably bigger than what she needs but that's what we had that's what we had and she likes it Maybe a little too much because today when I was trying to put her down for a nap, she was running away from me on this queen bed. And one point she tripped on either the pillow or the blanket. I didn't really see. And she whacked her her um, her eye on this frame. Yeah, she hit her head really hard. Really hard. And we took her to the emergency room. She is okay. The doctors cleared us to go home and just told us to monitor her with Tylenol. So mm-hmm. thankfully it wasn't worse, but yeah, we are going to be um, baby proofing that. Yes. I didn't even think about any of that until today. <laughs> we already have the cushions ordered for the side. Yeah, we have like a, a bumper cushions. Bumper coming. cushions, yeah. So hopefully those come soon so we can get that set up for her. But anyway, so she skipped a nap today, so she fell asleep it was actually really cute because courtney went to the store and her and i harper and i were um we sat at home i just put on a show for her we cuddled in our bed mine and Mm -hmm. courtney's bed and within 10 seconds after us like (laughs) sitting down not even joking like within 10 seconds she was asleep she was asleep on my shoulder it was really cute but i'm like i need you to stay awake yeah it was like six o'clock she doesn't normally go to bed until like 8 30 yeah (laughs) So it was six o'clock and she was already snoring on his shoulder, but yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Um, but anyways, and then she woke up, yeah, 15 minutes later and then Courtney just barely put her down to sleep again and it is 10 o'clock. Yep. Fantastic. <laughs> I can't blame her though. She's had a rough day. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, so since it's so late, what say we get on with this story that I have prepared for you? Yeah, I'm really excited to hear this story. Uh, for those of you who obviously don't know the whole process of this, is that we take notes throughout the week leading up to the day that we record. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we record early in the week if we get our notes done. 
sometimes it's Friday night and it's 10 o'clock. We want to go to bed, but we finished our notes and we want to get the episode out. Um, Miles has been working on this story nonstop this whole week. And I feel like... Well, besides work. Well, yeah, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, but other than Um, that. In his spare time, he's been working on it. And I feel like he's put in a lot more time for this story than the, like, more recent ones that he's done. This, yeah, it... I probably made it... I mean, it is a long story, but I probably made it out to be... To sound a little bit longer than it's going to be. I don't know how long it's going to be. Because I don't know, like, what commentary you're going to have on it. What commentary I'm going to have on it. Oh, so you're Um, saying I should just keep my mouth shut and... No, not necessarily. (laughs) Move on with it. No, this is... So, this is, um... This story. Uh Uh-huh. Um, just a little bit of foreground for it. Um, so, I've... Ever since we started, like researching families and stuff Uh for this podcast stuff that we want to do this has been on my list of ones to do since since the the beginning beginning. Uh, and this one was also a listener recommendation Ah. um and i told this listener because it it was my mom (laughs) (laughs) and i told like yeah i know like i know this family and i want to do them so bad but i'm just like i want to i wanted to get a bit of a bigger listener base before i before i did it but i'm like you know what we're going to have listeners in the future that can go back and listen to it because this yeah. is a very interesting story. At least I think it's interesting. I don't know if anyone else is going to uh, think it's interesting. I'm already snoring. Just fast forward. Just kidding. <laughs> anyway, any guesses what it's about? Um, The Queen of England. No. Was I close? Was I in a similar ballpark? You were in a neighboring ballpark. <laughs> so the Let's answer that. to that question is no. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so um, it's kind. It, it involves royalty, but not like England. Yeah, you will, is it we'll Australian it. royalty? No, it's not. Wouldn't that still be England? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. We won't talk about it. Let's That's get okay. into this story then. I'm All excited. right. So, in the ghetto, Elvis Presley. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I apologize in advance as well. This is another German story. So basically Forgive what Miles me. is saying is that he's going to sound like a white boy white that boy. doesn't speak any German. Proceed. Yep. All right. So in the ghetto, Frankfurter Judengas. Dating back to the 15th century and lasting up until 1811, in modern times, it was home to Germany's largest Jewish community. The history behind this place is really quite fascinating and at times tragic. Many families came and went, some even stayed. And one family in particular, they date back to 1567. Wow. It was the family of Isaac El- Elchanan Rothschild. I didn't mean to roll my R there, it just happened. <laughs> Rothschild. We're just going to call him Isaac. Yeah, Moving Isaac. Forward. <laughs> okay. Um, Back then, rather than using numbers to identify a house, they used signs with symbols and crests and stuff like that. Um, So Isaac's house was recognized by Rothschild, meaning red coat, as in coat of arms. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Is that like where family crests come from? mm -hmm. More or less, yeah. That's super cool. I remember, um, I I don't know why this is part of my memory, but like being a child, I think it was when we actually lived in England. Uh, family chest came up, um, or crest, family crest came up in conversation at some point, and 
I remember it being like, or feeling like it was a bigger deal than we were making it out to be. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, why aren't we talking more about this? And then I'm pretty sure my family has a crest, like somewhere. I've seen it. Because uh, your name is German. It is. Your, your maiden name is German. It is, yeah. So. I'm pretty sure I've seen it. Maybe I'm just making this all up. No, I don't no, know. No, not necessarily. Anyways, yeah, this is a fate memory that I can't really speak too much on. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Okay, no worries. So Isaac's descendants took the name and ran with it, Rothschild. So his grandchildren, they eventually moved into a quote-unquote backhouse in the Judengas. Okay. Um, so this is... Judengas is like a, a... Did I mention it? Yeah, kind of. So it's like a Jewish ghetto. <laughs> in the ghetto. That's where... It, yeah, in the ghetto. That's... Okay, yeah. yeah that yeah. was Presley. <laughs> um, so anyway, so that is where... Because, you know, during these times, Jewish people were um, very kind of shunned from the rest of everyone. They have a whole history and everything. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, what else is new? <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, the, um, Isaac's grandchildren moved to a place called, well, to a back house, quote unquote. And there they set up shop until the 19th century. So, like. Okay. So, they lived there for a very long time. Like 300 years. Mm-hmm. Some. So, along comes one of the many descendants named Amshel Moses Rothschild. Amshel was an Ashkenazi Jew and was in the business of silk and currency exchange. And according to a 1749 tax register, his assets were about 1,375 guilders or gold coins, which this took me a while to find. This is like, I spent probably close to an hour trying to figure out what the exchange was on this one is. I probably didn't need that much, but anyway. Um, So it's roughly equivalent to about $18,000. Wow. Okay. So, so not a he lot was of money. a poor boy. He was a poor boy. He married a woman whose name I'm not going to attempt to pronounce. <laughs> and hmm. together they had eight children. Only okay. f- only five of these eight children, though, would make it to adulthood, Aww, sadly. That is sad. Uh, they lived in a small home above their shop in which more than 30 people were living. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wait, what was their shop? It was like a silk exchange and oh, currency. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You said that. So they sent their sons off to a Frankfurt Kader, which was basically a primary school to learn about Judaism and Hebrew. Okay, cool. One of their sons was named Maya Amschel Rothschild. Maya Amschel Rothschild. <laughs> um, he was sent further to the Yeshiva in Firth, which is a school designated to rabbinical studies. What is that? To study, become a rabbi. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. But sadly, in 1757, his parents died during the smallpox epidemic, which forced Maya to return home to start an apprenticeship under Jacob Wolf Oppenheimer at a banking firm. Okay. So it was here that Maya learned all about foreign trade and currency exchange, and he returned home in 1763. He became a dealer in rare coins, and in 1769, he won the patronage of, wait for it, Prince William of Hesse. What? Yeah. (laughs) Yes, the same prince. Oh, hold on. I didn't mention the prince earlier. (laughs) So part of, sorry, I'm going to mention this now. So Amschel, so um, Maya's father, Uh he 
uh, was kind of patronized by this prince, and a lot of his currency exchange and a lot of his profits came from him. Why was he patronized? By I, d- him? I don't know. Okay. I couldn't find a reason. I don't know if they had like some history or something. I don't know. Maybe he was the only Jewish person who, who in the in the era He's who um, thanks Siri, um, <laughs> only Jewish person in the area who dealt with currency exchange. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, anyway. So yeah, Prince William Wilhelm of Hesse. That makes me so excited. Do you hear that, family? We're royal. <laughs> you guys are royal. <laughs> so Maya eventually gained the title of court factor, which was a Jewish banker who handled the finances of European nobility. And okay. in return for his services, it was common for the court factor to receive some social privileges and occasionally even gaining nobility status themselves. Cool. Yeah. In 1770, he married Guttel Schnapper, sorry, <laughs> Guttel Schnapper, and they had nine children. This is Maya? Meyer. Meyer? Mm-hmm. Sorry, you're Australian, I didn't translate. <laughs> Meyer. I can't do a German accent. So <laughs> Don't try. <laughs> so, Maya started to get quite the reputation, and his coin business grew quite a lot, even gaining a few more princely patrons. Sir Hess, you are not as important as you used to be. (laughs) He then expanded his range of services into the banking services of Prince Wilhelm, same guy, in 1785. Then in 1789... Prince Wilhelm. Mm -hmm. Of Hess. Oh, you didn't include the Hess part, so I was very lost. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) All right, so that was 1785. Then in 1789, the French Revolution began and lasted another 10 years, during which he sent his third-born son, Nathan Meyer Rothschild, to England for the furthering of their textile importing. Okay. Nathan was sent with uh, 20,000 pounds, which was equivalent to about 2.2 million pounds, or a little less than 27 million US dollars today. He's like, hey, can you go run a couple errands for me over there? Here's $27 million. Don't lose it, please. Mm -hmm. Precisely. So while in England, in addition to his textile training, Nathan also began to dabble in London Stock Exchange. With his dad's money? Well, yeah, his (laughs) his dad gave him the money to start up like another banking branch. So it's like, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, so in 1804, Nathan became a naturalized citizen and established a bank in the city of London called N.M. Rothschild and Sons. Okay. And he made a fortune with all of his revenues of income and then started trading bills of exchange, which was basically like a payment contract. Okay. Um, also Nathan became a member of the Freemasons Emulation Lodge (laughs) in October of 1802, kind of a little side note, and he married Hannah Barrett Cohen in 1806 and they had seven children so england was just where he needed to be yep that's cool wait for it wait for it (laughs) after the french revolution ended maya the father was yep (laughs) was to handle the payments from the british to hessian mercenaries because the british during the um the french revolution everything they hired mercenaries from hess yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I gathered yeah. that, and you know, cool. I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit curious. Like, 
how do we tap into that inheritance? Like, <laughs> I don't know if it like... exists anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyways. Um, so in the following years, Meyer's position, Meyer, Meyer's position <laughs> moved from banking provisioner to international banker for Prince Wilhelm and even began to issue his own loans to other countries using the capital from Wilhelm. Wow. So one country that Meyer had relations with was Prussia. And in 1806, Napoleon reacted to this by invading Hesse. Napoleon Bonaparte. Yeah. <laughs> what? Not Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, bummer. <laughs> so Wilhelm was exiled in the Duchy of Holstein, but Meyer was able to follow him as his banker. He continued to invest funds in London and even was able to make a good profit from importing goods by way of going around Napoleon's, you know, continental blockades and stuff like that. Sure. Then in 1809, um, going back to Nathan, he started dealing in gold bullions, basically like gold coin, gold bars rather, um, like gold blocks, you know, bullion cubes. Yeah. Yeah, think of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this became the cornerstone of his business. And in 1810, Maya and his three eldest sons entered into a formal partnership agreement. And then the following year, the Grand Duke of Frankfurt issued a decree that all Jews living in Frankfurt should enjoy civil rights and privileges equal to all other citizens. In exchange, the Jews were to pay him 440,000 florins. I didn't do the exchange on that because whatever um and that was financed by our friend maya okay and additionally some masonic jews petitioned the grand duke for the exclusive right to maintain lodges in the city which the grand duke agreed to that's kind of another little site um freemason wait that i mean you're using a lot of old english so what does that mean what like mean? what is going on so maya and his three eldest sons made agreements for um for their business uh-huh. So they went into business together. Mm-hmm. And then what did they set up around the town? Like what? the last sentence that you said. Oh, Masonic Jews. Freemason Jews. What I know, but like, what did they do? They petitioned for like the right to maintain the lodges, the Freemason lodges. Like their in the buildings city. and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. We good? Yeah, I'm on board now. Okay, cool. So in 1815... The infamous Battle of Waterloo occurred. And without going into all the details of the battle itself, Napoleon mm. lost. <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> yeah. So word was received of the British's triumph, but Nathan was supposedly among the first to be told about it, even a full 48 hours before the government. Wow. Okay, so these guys, like, obviously they have the money, but they also have the status. They have the status. <laughs> These guys are legit. So even though he was only a benefactor for the army, because um, they did a lot of, um, you, you'll get the, the theme of this, but a lot of the time when they go to wars or have revolutions and stuff like that, like the Rothschilds are there. Like they, they're, they're there to make money from it. And it all wasn't always profitable, but for the most part. Yeah, I mean... I kind of gathered that, like, when you said that they were exiled, but the Rothschilds, like, followed them. They're like, all right, we're just going to go with you because someone's got to take care of the money, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, he was only a benefactor for the army. Um, 
and the Rothschild couriers, they started to get a bit of a reputation for being highly reliable and quick. Okay. Good cool. for them. Yeah. Sweet. Um, we, yeah, we might get to that a little bit later too. So we'll, we'll get into it. All right. So going back a couple of years, 1811, the youngest son, Jacob, or James, he's known as both names, was sent off to Paris. Paris. <laughs> Mainly the, to assist his brother Nathan with the purchasing of um, bullion. Uh, but the opportunity in moving to Paris gave the Rothschild family the opportunity to finance Wellington's armies in Portugal, wow. giving them more profit. And just getting their name into more and more countries. Mm-hmm. And in 1817, he opened his own branch, De Rothschild Frères. It's French. The Rothschild brothers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pardon my uh, French accent, too. Maya and his eldest son, Amschel, started in Germany to handle all the affairs there. Okay. Sorry, not started. Stayed in Germany to handle all the affairs there. And in September 1812, the father, Maya Amschel Rothschild, passed away, but not before telling his family a Persian tale of five arrows. Well, well, he was on his deathbed. They all gathered around and he told oh. this tale. Yeah. And the tale very basically describes that, um, j- basically the gist of it is that one single arrow by itself is easily broken. But when you have a group of them, they're unbreakable. Oh. Um, so Maya. Sweet Maya. Meyer. <laughs> Maya was buried <laughs> in the old Jewish cemetery in Frankfurt, located next to the Judengasse where his grave still exists to today. Oh. There was a park and street named after him. And Amschel took over the main branch in Frankfurt after Maya's death. Not much is said of this son, Amschel. Okay. Um, he never married or had kids. He was, however, referred to as the pious Rothschild, like highly religious. Um, and he also honored as he was also honored as commander of the Order of Leopold. Nice. And the Order of Leopold was essentially Belgian knighthood. Um, and the title commander was awarded to those with 35 plus years of service to a general officer. Wow. So. That's cool. Yeah. That's really all it says about Armshell leading up to his death. Um, uh-huh. He just maintained the, the branch in Frankfurt. Cool. In 1817, Maya was posthumously ennobled by the Emperor of Austria. Um, what? <laughs> respectfully huh posthumously what is that the word you hung up on the whole sentence he was so the emperor of austria basically gave him nobility status after he died oh in 1817 what does posthumously mean um basically means that it happened after someone died oh look at me learning new things yeah so after the death of maya Nathan, the one in England, stepped up as the manager of his family business. And Nathan remembered the tale of the five arrows. And in 1818, he went out to apply for a grant of arms, which gives the person and his family and descendants the right to bear their own coat of arms. And thus, the Rothschild coat of arms became a clenched fist holding five arrows to represent the five branches of the Rothschild Banking Company. But at the time, there were only three. Oh. Yeah. They had plans. 
We'll get to it. <laughs> in that same year, Nathan arranged a five million pound loan to the Prussian government, which was roughly five hundred and fifty million pounds or six hundred and sixty million dollars. Wow, Trump change. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> and having a government indebted to you is a great way to stay in business. Yeah, I, I can imagine. <laughs> and in 1824, he and another man, Moses Montefiore, and um, they both together founded the Alliance Insurance Company, which later merged with Sun Allegiant, Sun Insurance, sorry. And they both became Sun Alliance mm. when they merged. And because of his great wealth and position of power, he was even able to avert a liquidity crisis in 1825 through 26 in the city of London. Wow. He basically just... Saved the town. Yeah, the city. <laughs> it was pretty impressive. Yeah. In 1833, the Slave Abolition Act was enforced, which led much of England to struggle. Okay. Nathan, with his business partner Moses, learned the government... <laughs> this hurts me a little bit. Learned the government... 15 million pounds or 1.5 billion pounds or 1.8 billion dollars with interest wow and that was paid off through taxpayer money and the loaned money was used to compensate the former slave owners former slave i can't speak former slave owners uh for expenses that they weren't used to paying for since they had the slaves that they didn't need to pay because I see. I see. I see. More, yeah. Anyway, slavery is horrible. In 1835, he was able to procure a contract with the Spanish government, which gave him the rights to the Almaden mines in southern Spain. And from that, he monopolized the European mercury production. I don't understand how people get so much done in such a short amount of time, but I, I'm guessing, you know, the billions of dollars helps. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I. Hmm. No, I, I know what you mean. I'm I've wasted 27 years doing what? When this guy has a billion dollars. Uh. Yep. This is like no, how I felt when I did the story of what's her face Hetty something, the New York really rich woman. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm getting tired of having a brain fart. Yeah, it's okay. <clears throat> um the the witch of Wall Street? Yes. That one? Yes, that one. Um yeah. Yeah, kind of how i felt but she was stingy this guy st like this guy doesn't no. seem so stingy he seems more so like i don't know opportunist mm -hmm. very of much so all of them were yeah um and we'll, we'll get to the other brothers i i was trying to figure out like how to do these notes how i did it was i'm like i'm just gonna focus on one brother tell his story then go to the next one tell his story okay yeah so yeah that's what i'm doing um so we'll get to the other brothers and all that they did and everything, but each of them kind of dabbled in <clears throat> other things other than banking. Okay. They expanded their range mm -hmm. for more revenues of income because banking isn't always reliable. Like most of the time it is because banks charge interest and everything. But sure, yeah. I mean, if someone goes bankrupt and can't pay the money, then they just, you know. They just eat the cost. Exactly. Yeah. And they also did have a lot of losses, you know, like I said, during the wars. Like it is profitable, profitable, but it also can not be profitable <laughs> at times. So yeah, anyway. yeah, for sure. But yeah, they all kind of dabbled in other um, specialties as well. Cool. All right. So the following year, so this that was 1835 when he gained the Almaden mines. 
the following year, so 1836, he died from an abscess, <laughs> after which his son Lionel took over the branch in England. <laughs> I have so many thoughts on that. <laughs> um, Nathan was revered, even by his competitors. They praised his cleverness and acumen for planning. <laughs> Wait, Lionel was getting the praise? No, uh, Nathan. Okay, I was going to say, this Lionel was sitting there being like, wow, like... <laughs> You got an abscess? Aw, shucks. Darn. I'll I guess take I'll over. take the money. So later, a German poet named Heinrich Heine said of him, Money is the god of our time. So this is a quote. Quote, Money is the god of our time, and Nathan Rothschild is the prophet. Unquote. Yeah, I could totally see that. And after Nathan's passing, Jacob, the one who was in Paris, uh-huh. took over the management of the branches. And so, with with Nathan, I was going to say this before, with Nathan, he, when I picture him, he reminds me of Scrooge from A Christmas Carol. <laughs> okay. Because um, based on his his description, it's like, it, it's very much Scrooge. Sure. You know, focused on his business, and he, he did spend, you know, have time with family, and he was a philanthropist. I was going to mention this later, but I'll mention it now, since we're talking about it. Each of the brothers, um, they were all philanthropists because that was a belief of their um, their religion uh-huh. is giving of yourself to others and stuff like that. Sure, yeah. Anyway, so each of them were philanthropists. They gave tons of money away. Which is, that's good. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. All right. So on to Jacob or James. Um, so it's... <laughs> No, Nathan. Oh, Nathan, Nathan is Scrooge. Scrooge. James, James is the youngest one. Okay. So James slash Jacob Meyer Rothschild, as mentioned earlier, was stationed in Paris and was very successful, even becoming the most powerful banker in the country of France. Not surprised at this point. <laughs> right. He was a financial advisor to ministers and kings, and he played a huge part in the production of railroads and mining. Wow. He married his niece, Betty what? von Rothschild, in 1824, and they had five children. I'm sorry, what? He married his niece. So this is another thing, since we're on the topic. <laughs> I was going to mention it later, but... So on his deathbed, uh, Maya, the father of all these sons, he, he was pretty adamant about keeping the money and the business in the family. And back then, it wasn't... I mean, we think of it as really weird now. Back then, it wasn't that weird... Like people married their cousins and stuff all the time. Oh no! But yeah, so he married his niece. I'm not okay with this information. <laughs> they had five children. Okay. And with his fortune, he invested in such things as tea and wine. And he was also at the time one of the richest people in the world. I yep okay. In 1830, the French revolted against itself, <laughs> bringing in a new king. Jacob, of course, saw this as a business opportunity. Of course. And extended a loan package to assist the restabilization of French government. He's and like, then, hey, buddy, <laughs> you can take over the country, but let me tell you what to do with your money. Pretty much. It was like, hey, like you have all these expenses that since you're the new king, you're going to want to change some things. Here's some money. Yeah. Pay it back to me with this amount of interest. Oh, my gosh. And then he issued another loan uh, four years later in 1834. And then another revolution occurred in 1848, and mm-hmm. that same king was forced to abdicate, leaving the emperor in charge. And Jacob's business lost some pull with the government, but his business still thrived. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
1868, Jacob purchased one of France's most thriving vineyards, uh, Chateau Lafitte, and it is still in the family business today. Wow. Jacob does three... Um, I know it doesn't make sense. Oh, it's supposed to say Jacob dies. It says Jacob does. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob dies three months after purchasing the vineyard and his two sons took over French the French branch and they went international to places like Africa and the Southeast Islands. I'm starting to see a little bit of a pattern here. They make like <laughs> another big financial break. Not that they necessarily needed it, but they're like, here's this really cool thing that I'm investing in that I'm passionate about. It's also going to make me a lot of money and then dies. Yep. And then their kids are like, yeah, I mean, oh, sorry, dad. <laughs> so I've talked about three of the sons, right? Yeah. Talked about Nathan, Armshell, who there's not really much on him, and then Jacob slash James. Yes. So the other two that we haven't mentioned, they weren't in business. Well, they were still in business, but they didn't have their own branches until the 1820s. And okay. each went their own respective ways to start these branches. First one was Solomon Maya Rothschild. They were all named after the father, the middle names. Nice. I don't know if you caught down to that or not, but... I mean, I didn't, because all <laughs> of their names sound like... Blah, 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 blah. Sorry. Solomon. <laughs> no, not because of you, just because they're like... <laughs> really... Yeah, anyways. The foreign, on. and you're yeah. a white girl. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. All right, so Solomon Maya Rothschild went to Austria and founded S.M. von Rothschild in Vienna. Uh, no way. Just kidding. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. He married Caroline Stern, from what I could find. They're not related. Don't oh, worry. thank goodness. And they married in 1800, and they had two chi- two children, a son and a daughter, and the daughter was the wife of James Jacob. Baby. Ah, okay. Solomon's business funded the Nordbahn Rail Transport Network which was Austria's first steam railway. Nice. And he also funded many government undertakings in which they had to raise large amounts of capital. So he's making bank of these guys. Yeah, that's... Yep. Solomon established connections with many of Austria's aristocracy and political elites. Solomon was highly influential in Vienna's economy, naturally. Yeah. But Solomon was also pretty smart with his money. All of them were, but um, aside from banking, Solomon invested in real estate and in art and into and antiquities. That's cool. I was going to say, like, the only thing that I really know about growing money, which isn't a lot, is that, like, real estate is one of the best investments you can make. For sure. People now, always need a place to live. But now I'm over here thinking, like, how do I own a bank? <laughs> <laughs> how do I own mines? How do I... Um, <laughs> finance a country (laughs) (laughs) government you want to take a loan from my two dollar bank account (laughs) do you think someone like made a tiktok about that that i can go watch or like a a youtube rabbit hole oh for sure (laughs) okay you can find anything out there oh yeah probably all right so anyway in 1843 solomon was the first jew to become an honorary austrian citizen i'm struggling with words and in 1848, there was a revolution in the Habsburg areas. Okay. And arose some anti-Rothschild groups. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, at first I was like, wait, why? And then I'm like, wait a second. They're really the, rich people. Yes. Of course there's going to be. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 There was also a lot of anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Because, I mean, you know. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Solomon eventually lost some of his business in politics and quite a bit of money in his banking firm. So he handed his branch off to his son, Anselm, and he left for Vienna. Oh, sorry, he left for Paris, left Vienna for Paris, and died there in 1855. He's like, this is your problem now. Yeah, so he was kind of the opposite. Like, things went wrong, so he left. (laughs) Gotcha. I mean, I guess you can consider it retirement. (laughs) Yeah, he was 74, I think, is what it's called. Something like that. Um, some of his art, uh, some pieces from his art collection uh, were donated to to the Louvre. The Louvre. In Paris. I'm assuming that is a very nice museum. You know the Mona Lisa? <gasps> that's where. That, no. That's where the, yeah. It's that's the so Louvre. cool. Yeah. Okay. Now I feel like. The Louvre is that big glass pyramid museum, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did not know what it was called. Yeah. There you go. The Louvre. All right. So the last guy, the last son of the Rothschild dynasty was Kalman Maya Rothschild. Kalman? Kalman. But we'll call him Carl. Carl. (laughs) Why are we calling him Carl? That's that's just how they referred to him. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh. Carl. Also, I don't want to keep saying Kalman. I like the name Kalman. Okay. So we'll we'll go with Carl. Carl. (laughs) He... He went off to Naples, where he established C.M. de Rothschild and Figli. I don't know where the Figli came from. I couldn't find anything on that. But Maybe he had a... Rothschild and Figli. Partner. Maybe he was um, in a park one day, and he's like, oh, what a nice fig leaf. <laughs> Sorry. I need to go to bed. Fig leaf. Fig leaf. Mm, that sounds good. <laughs> it's okay. We are approaching the end. See, if it were me, it would be like, oh, dirty rug. <laughs> How would I turn that into a cool word? K.M. Drug. Drug. Whoa, drugs. <laughs> Just, okay, stop. Moving on. Go away. Drugs can be legal. <laughs> That's what medicine is. All right. So, so this office in Naples, this branch in Naples, was intended to be a satellite office for the Rothschild Banking Company. Mm-hmm. And Carl was <laughs> was already married before um, before leaving for Naples. <laughs> he and his wife Adel Adelheid hers. Also, I didn't find any relation. So, <laughs> thank you for clarifying that. I was really <laughs> um, concerned. They for a had while. <laughs> they had five children, but poor Carl was Carl was often thought of as the least talented of the five brothers. Aw, yeah. what did Carl ever do to you? <laughs> <laughs> Keep thinking of the the Walking Dead meme. Yeah. Coral. Coral. Or that, what is it, that YouTube video? The llamas with that hats. That hurts people, Carl. Or that kills people, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> Carl. All right. So anyway, despite people thinking that he wasn't as talented as the others, he went on to manage his branch very well and even had powerful connections with Naples' finance minister. Yeah, Carl, prove him wrong. (laughs) You go, boy. (laughs) And his successes greatly benefited the rest of the branches, too. Hey. So it's like, hey, in your face, I'm successful. In your face. Also, here's a check. (laughs) Yeah. Carl's Carl's story is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like so him. far I think he's my favorite. Yeah. Probably because his name is Carl. <laughs> and he's the underdog. Yeah. Underdog. Anyway, so his branch became the dominant banking house in Naples. 
and acquired powerful clients such as the King of Naples, the Vatican, and the Dukes of Parma and the Dukes of Tuscany. So he had like a, a lot of like powerful people in, in the grasp of his hand. I've never heard of any of those. Paying Just kidding. Money. The Vatican? I, that was, it was okay. a joke. <laughs> the Vatican? Sorry. You know what, though? To be fair, you had valid reason to think that I didn't <laughs> know what it was because there's been a few things. Anyways. <laughs> anyway. All right. In 1829, he was the appointed... Sorry, he was appointed as Consul General of Sicily at Frankfurt and in 1832 was presented with the ribbon and star of sacred military Constantinian Order of St. George. That's a mouthful. Um, and at, he was awarded this at a ceremony with the recently appointed Pope. And this is this is interesting. So Carl was permitted to kiss the hand of the Pope rather than the feet, which was the custom at the time. Yeah. And so this led to a bunch of controversy among Catholic people because they thought like, well, when they saw this is like, oh, the Pope is selling out Rome to a Jew. And it's like, well, no, just, he just has respect for the man. Yeah. Doesn't mean anything. People <laughs> read too much into stuff. Anyway. Anyway. In the following years, he, this is Carl. In the following years, he bought villas and property here and there. His wife died in 1853 and his son, Anselm, he also had a son named Anselm. He died a year following. He was only 18 at the time. Oh, that's so sad. Then another year later, Karl Freyer von Rothschild died in Naples, oh, leaving Carl. his estate divided between the rest of his four kids. And his son, Adolf Karl von Rothschild, took over the business in Naples. And another of his sons, Wilhelm Karl von Rothschild, took over the Frankfurt branch after their uncle Amschel died. And in 1861, they closed the brain, closed the branch in Naples and transferred all the assets to Frankfurt. Wow. So this is kind of a little side note for each of them. Uh-huh. So with each of the brothers' success in 1820, they were all granted the title of Baron or Friar. Friar? Um, yeah. So an example of a name would be Karl Meyer Friar von Rothschild. Karl huh. Meyer. Oh, my friar. So what does that exactly like mean? Like what is a what is a baron? What is a friar? It's the same thing. I, but what is it? Um, a status of nobility. Oh. Just yeah, noble status. Dope. Yeah. It's also a schnauzer <laughs> that lives in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Shout I'm out to start, Baron. I'm gonna start calling him Friar. Let's see okay. if they know what I'm talking about. You have to do it in a German accent though. I Never mind. <laughs> His name is Baron. I will not change it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so naturally, each of the brothers had their own lives and families, and they went on, on to do awesome things for their respective branches. I believe it. Questions so far? Um, What is still standing today? Perfect. I was hoping you asked that question. <laughs> so I didn't write this down because I just kind of looked at videos here and there. So from the Rothschild Banking, there only exists a website now. I can't remember what it's called, but it's Rothschild Banking website. All of the branches are closed down. Aw, bummer. Yeah. And the Rothschild family still exists, but they have been pretty secretive. And despite all the, the you know, losing the banking and everything, they still had all those assets left uh -huh. over. So, like, they're still pretty wealthy. Oh, I was going to say, those poor great-grandchildren... <laughs> No, they still live in, like, grand, 
grand estates and everything and huh. they have some kind of revenue coming through because they st- still have some pretty good net worth yeah i don't know what exactly it is because like i said they're pretty secretive some people there are a lot of conspiracies behind the family do you um, know how much i love conspiracies <laughs> well not a lot but oh. <laughs> it is they're very much like um the Rothschilds are in control of the world kind of like the illuminati but like some are people they the lizard people <laughs> they must be that's why they want to keep it in the family so they don't spread their lizard people Ew, genes. Uh, no uh, <laughs> maybe that's why they're secretive they have three eyes they're tr- no, okay. maybe no th- like they i mean they still have some public uh relation well not relation um like publicity uh-huh but they keep most of their stuff to themselves fair enough mm-hmm. fair enough like there have been a few interviews here and there but well, I'm sure, like, carrying that much wealth, like you said, people were starting to form groups that were, like, anti child. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm sure that it comes to a point where you have to think about the safety of your family. Yep, for sure. You know? So they're like, listen, Grandpa Rushy, you passed away, <laughs> and now we just need to tone it back a little bit, okay? Yep. Thanks for the money, but we're just going to sit in our mansion with a bowling alley and a movie theater. That sounds nice. Those exist. Yeah, they do. Yeah. But anyway, so not a lot of their... Um, none of that still exists. Gotcha. But they still have the vineyard. That's all you need. That's all you need. <laughs> Good old wine. Dang. Yeah. So is there anything else that you know of? Or is that about it? No, that's about it. That's all that I could find is just the vineyard and then that banking website. Okay. We should open an account with them. Uh, no. Because <laughs> they control the world. I don't want them to control us, too. Just, Just kidding. In with the good people. Come so, on. do you want to hear these conspiracies? Oh, yes. That's what I'm here for. So, I didn't write any of this down. So, some of these facts may be, like, here and there. But anyway, so remember Nathan? Yes. The one in England? Yes. And how he found out about Napoleon losing before... <gasps> The yeah, government the whole, found out. like, two days before the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, 40 years later, there was this guy, I can't remember his name, but he wrote about why he found that out earlier. And basically the conspiracy, which has been proven wrong since, <sighs> um, but basically this conspiracy is that Nathan was there at the Battle of Waterloo. Oh. Um, which he wasn't, but... Um, what this guy said was that he stood on like the outskirts of the battle happening and he like as soon as he could tell which side was going to win that's when he rushed back to (laughs) to, like tell everyone which Which, like i mean i understand that it's a conspiracy but also like why would that matter if he did or didn't do that right i mean it's like Um, it would be kind of like douchey for him to do that (laughs) it's like dude you're just watching people kill each other Mm-hmm. Like either get in and help or go away. Yep, he went away. Know. But this was proved wrong. It was proved wrong. So he wasn't there at all. Okay. He was still in England, but that leads people to believe that his couriers were at the Battle of Waterloo and did the same thing, like stood on the outskirts, and as soon as they could tell which um, side was going to win, then they ducked out. Yeah. Uh, part of me wants to be like well why would it matter like can't you just wait but then i'm thinking about 
the Super Bowl and how people <laughs> tried to leak the score before yeah. it actually happened. Right. And yeah, 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 kind of more or less. But the reason that it mattered was people believed also that he gained tons of like millions of pounds back then. Um, based off of the results of ba- the war? No, based off of him telling everyone. I don't know exactly how it worked, but oh. based off him finding out before everyone else. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so people were just thinking like, oh, he made so much money, which a couple of different sources didn't say that he did, but there was one source that say that he didn't. Like, that was all Bologna. Mm-hmm. Bologna. But even though... Um, let me see if I can pull up the conspiracies again because it's kind of interesting it's very interesting the conspiracy is my favorite part (laughs) they're the lizard people the lizard people you make more than seven figures in a year you clearly have lizard skin (laughs) just kidding i wish and it's funny because i say seven figures as if that's a lot of money for these people (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah so i was gonna mention this um so another fun little fact about this whole conspiracy like he was there at the battle there was a guy who went under the pseudonym he was you know writing stuff for the european european printing presses Mm -hmm. he went under the pseudonym satan (laughs) okay um so in this pamphlet that he was writing for the european printing press um he gave up like a history of the rothschild family and its influence in europe and um that's when he kind of mentions nathan he was he rushed to the belgian coast where the you know um so he could get to the battle and everything nathan rothschild was nowhere near waterloo okay there were no reports of a storm yeah part of it was this guy thought like he paid tons of money to get to the battle of waterloo from the belgian coast um and he paid lots of money to go through a storm and everything wasn't true that's really kind of it. But since then, people have been speculating about the Rothschilds and how they came into all that money so quickly. Because it wasn't that long that Maya, the father of all these guys, got all that money. It wasn't long at all. Yeah, so I was going to say, this story went from like, here's this cool family, and then all of a sudden, they're billionaires. Yes. <laughs> like, that's seriously kind of how it felt. Mm-hmm. So, like, either he was just very smart with his money, or he did... It was like, I don't know, maybe increased production of his textiles and stuff like that. I don't know. Um, it was Mr. Hess. It wasn't Hess. clear. It was Mr. Hess. Sorry, Prince. Prince, Prince Hess. Hess. Hey, Uncle uh, Prince. <laughs> Can you put me in your will? A little late for that. From beyond the grave. <laughs> A little late for that. But that, that's really kind of it. That's where it all uh, stems from. Cool. But yeah, a lot of these conspiracies, they still go on today, even though a lot of them have been proven false. People with their anti-Semitism and everything are like, no, they control the world. No, they have money that I don't have, so therefore there is something creepy and secretive about them. Yep. I get that, though. I get that. Because I'd be looking at these billionaires like, where's my money? Where are the tunnels? (laughs) Show us the tunnels under the Denver airport. (laughs) <laughs> did you uh, apparently i think was it a super bowl ad i don't know it was an ad recently that someone paid like 300 million dollars to uh did you hear about this 
So apparently there was an ad that someone paid three hundred million dollars to like produce and market and everything. It's like a Christian ad. No, I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, but there were a lot of people kind of, uh, not necessarily mad about it. Maybe some people. Might it was the it. Christian ad. Oh. Um, <clears throat> but they were saying like you know with the money that you spent on this ad, you could have provided every family in America with a million dollars. Every person. So maybe this isn't like the same one but i heard that there was an ad i didn't watch all of the commercials for the super bowl so i don't actually know um but there was like a commercial that was like a christ-centered religious group yeah religion um where they were basically like come under christ come under christ and it's like okay you spent so much money trying to teach people to be like christ what do you think he would have done with the money right yeah so I don't know if we're talking about the same thing, but I, I have seen a few videos. People were like, here's the problem with this commercial is that it wasn't promoting people to come under Christ. It was spending money. Yeah. When you could have been giving the money away to charity or something like that. Yeah, it might, but have, it might have been the same. I don't know. I didn't watch it, so I don't know. This is just the, you know, the through the grapevine or whatever yeah. that I've heard. Yeah. In a perfect world, right? In a perfect world. Everyone would do everything perfectly. Oh, really? And no one would ever get angry. Wow. Except for the people who think that you're imperfect even when you're perfect. I don't know. Thank you for coming to Courtney's TED Talk. (laughs) TED Talk. (laughs) Good night, Wisconsin. There there was a video I was watching about the conspiracy. And um, I was reading the comments. And it was like funded by the Rothschild family, and people were like <laughs> being all conspiracy again. It's like just for the Super Bowl. No, sorry, back to the Rothschilds. Oh, um, yeah, they were. It was just yeah, it was just a video of the of that conspiracy. Oh, and people were saying like the um, video was funded by the yeah, because basically the video was trying to not necessarily debunk but explain. <laughs> The, the conspiracies and That's the, really the Rothschild dynasties. And then, yeah, the, the number one comment that I saw was, um, you know, funded by the Rothschild family or whatever. It was really fun. <laughs> That's awesome. And there were a couple other ones. It's like, yeah, of course, um, like you would say this, you're one wink, of wink. <laughs> one yeah. the world leaders and stuff like that. It's like, sure. just, just stop. <laughs> maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. Who are we to, like, is your life terrible? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, sorry, we matter? can't all be lizard people. Sorry, we can try. Sorry about it. But anyway, <laughs> so that's the Rothschild family. That was cool. I'll read a little bit more on the controversy, and maybe next week I can share it with you if you're interested in it. Well, <clears throat> and if I remember. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much for coming and listening to episode twenty-five. Did you like the story? I did. Even though you're tired and probably got bored at times? I thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting. Cool. I'm tired because we have an almost two-year-old that didn't want to sleep. But yeah, that makes sense. Um, no, I really like that story. Yeah. I thought it was cool. And it really, like, I'm genuinely sitting here like, okay, so how do I um, finance an entire country? Because <laughs> uh, bucket list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or what do they say? Uh, dream board or something. Dream board. <laughs> No, that was a that was a big part of the um the conspiracy too. It was like you know they rose to power so quickly, so they're like the con- basically controlling the governments, putting them in in debt to them and stuff like that. But step one, no 
someone by the last name of Hess. Hmm. <laughs> so Do you know kidding. anyone? <laughs> no, I've never heard that name before. <laughs> yeah. No, that was that was interesting. Also, sorry for my <laughs> stupid comments. <laughs> oh, no, they make it more get. enjoyable. This is what you get when it's past my bedtime. No, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. Anyways, what I was saying, uh, thanks everyone for coming in and listening. We have really had so much fun making this podcast so far. Uh, 25 episodes in plus our listener stories and stuff and Dang. we're still going strong yeah and the first is coming up don't forget to send in those listener stories we already have a couple in our inbox oh really yeah heck yeah heck yeah so i was so excited to read them hopefully they're um pg appropriate. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> i'm pretty sure they're from Alyssa, so she oh. she's pretty good at keeping things pg um but yeah anyways we're going to focus a little bit on like luck stories for the first and if you've been following my hour if you've been following our tiktok fam family stories or fam family podcast wow miles good luck editing that uh, <laughs> i'm just gonna leave it in keep going <laughs> fam family podcast uh in february i have been doing some like romance stories that i found on the internet i need to do a few more but that's besides the point but for march because it's st patrick's day and you know the luck of the irish and whatnot i'm gonna find those stories that are lucky and kind of feed off of that a little bit so if you have some that that you feel like sharing or you know whatever just let us know we would love to share your stories the luck of the irish <laughs> that was a horrible irish accent i'm sorry <laughs> better than your german <laughs> fair <laughs> better than my australian i'm just kidding Wait, you're australian shut up get out <laughs> anyway good night everyone <laughs>